Good afternoon, good afternoon. How are you guys doing? These red chairs are too comfortable. This is a problem. Can see you all sinking into the afternoon. We, um, we are here in La Fay, honored by the Lord uh, to be here. It's a privilege. Uh, this is a humble and faithful family uh, here. And we're here by assignment from the Lord. This is a wild, unconventional journey none of us ever thought we would be on. I want to commend you, Nava, for your flexibility for your obedience, for the way that we've walked together as family. And I believe that every place the Father takes us, we're going to receive something from him in a deep and precious way. And also, we want to give. So as you come into this space, you're coming with a heart that's interceding for flourishing in this church, for the outbreak of the Holy Spirit. We're asking that this church, Lafay, would burst at the seams with life that God would richly move in KCK, that the Latino community would be unified in the church. The report is that there's division, but we're praying that they would be one as the Father, Son, and Spirit are one. And so when you come, we're not just on this journey so we can come and find amazing, incredible seats like we've never sat in. We're here to intercede. We're a prayerful family on mission. Don't forget who you are. You're a priest of the Lord. And when you pray, God answers you. You have the attention of the living God day and night. Never forget who you are before the Lord. We're on this journey of prepare the way. We know that we can't prepare the way for the Lord if we're not prepared to let him prepare a way in us. We need to be those available to the work of the Spirit so we can be the conduit of the work of the Spirit. What greater honor could there be than to prepare the way for Jesus the King in a city? We believe we're standing in an incredible hour in history, not just because we are the champions in football. Oh, thank you, Lord. I keep watching videos on repeat. I, I know all the mic'd up moments. I know all the cues. It's ridiculous. We're not just in a, in a unique moment because the Chiefs are world champions. I believe we're in a unique moment because the eyes of the Lord have been turned to Kansas City. I believe that decades of prayer that the bulls are tipping. I believe that there is a movement of the spirit for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see who are making themselves ready for the Lord. And I believe, Nava, we have a unique role to prepare the way of the Lord. Are we alone in that? Absolutely not. Praise God. But do we get to be part of that plan and preparation? Yes and amen. So we're unfolding this thing of prepare the way. And um, in January 5th, I did a message on this, opening up preparing the way, and talked about this scripture in Isaiah. It's Isaiah 57, 14 and 15. It says, and it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. Remove every obstruction from my people's way. Oh, that God would remove every obstruction from within us for his presence. That we would be a zero resistance home for him. Can you imagine if God could find a people where there was no resistance? 
where there was no obstruction. God never needed a lot of people. He only ever needed fully surrendered people. People who would remove every obstruction from his way. And it goes on to say, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I mean, just think about that. He is high and lifted up. He inhabits eternity. He is holy. He is God. I dwell in a high and holy place. We know that. But this is the stunner. But also with the one who is contrite and lowly of spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly. To revive the heart of the contrite. He's the God who dwells in a high and holy place, but also with the humble and the lowly. In other words, if you want to be irresistible to heaven, choose humility. You will become a magnet for the presence of God. If there's any prayer of my life, it's God, make me irresistible to heaven. I want to be someone who provides an actual home for God. And I believe that word is humility. When we were thinking about humility, that is the core word of preparing the way. A people who will fully depend on Jesus, fully focus on Jesus. This word, humility. The Lord began to unfold that word for me, and he said, Adam, this is what it would look like to prepare the way through a humble people. And he gave me these five H's. He said it looks like hunger. People who are desperate, longing for God. It looks like holiness, a people willing to be conformed to the image of Jesus in every way. It looks like healthy humanity. Those who, when they're stewarding the move of God, do not burn out in the middle of it, but are those who steward his presence in all of life, not just in the meetings. It looks like hospitality welcoming the presence of God and welcoming the mess of the world with equal measure in our everyday lives and homes, loving the world. And it looks like honor, valuing people and valuing God the same way Jesus would. He said, this is what humility looks like. Would you unfold humility over time? We want to start today with hunger, hunger for God. Um, some of you were praying for me. I just got the privilege of going to Brazil. And um, I don't know how, how many of you knew that I was there, but um, thank you if you did, if you were praying. Uh, it was a historic moment, and I don't say that lightly. Um, I was privileged to be with the team on what's called the Send, and 140 to 150,000 people gathered in three stadiums simultaneously in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and, um, and then in Brasilia, the capital city. Uh, they asked the president of the nation multiple times not to come because he's a bit politically polarizing. I don't know if you've ever heard of a Christian conference where you try to keep the president away. Well, they asked him not to come. He came anyways. And uh, he, so they had to let him speak. He, he took about five minutes and basically declared God over everything in Brazil. The crowd began to weep, began to cry out, and he began to weep as he publicly confessed his faith in Jesus. And um, there was a, it was an amazing moment. Um, 
There was so much that happened on that day uh, as we gathered for 12 hours. 16,000 uh, people committed their lives to adopt high schools and universities to see a Jesus movement. Um, 18,000 people committed to pursue going to the nations of the earth. 18,000 people. That's crazy. Um, there was 7,847 people who gave their life to Jesus for the first time in one day. There was 12,472 who signed up to find out about adoption or fostering. Uh, that could change a generation in a day. Um, there was 44,000 plus that signed up for a 40-day Jesus fast, which starts March 1st. 44,000 people signed up for a 40-day fast. 50,000 plus signed up to read the New Testament this year. And, um, and it was an astounding day. I'm having a hard time describing what was going on. I knew I was coming back to teach on hunger. What I didn't realize is that, according to many who were standing there, I was standing in the hungriest nation on earth for God. It's hard to put into words. A hundred thousand people couldn't even get into the stadium. They filled the stadium off of one Instagram post that didn't even have a speaker listed on it and went to a hundred thousand on the waiting list. So they had to open the second stadium, then the third stadium. There was a ravenous hunger for God. They were lined up from 4 a.m. to get in and then bake in the sun. My whole face burnt off basically in that day. Twice now it's peeled. And they stood out there and they worshiped God for 12 hours. No one was leaving. People were fainting because it was so hot. They were having to carry people out. Finally, God sent rain for 15 minutes just to give reprieve in the day. But I've never witnessed hunger like that in my life. And it did something down deep inside of me. There's an invitation to hunger for God, to hunger for his presence. I think um, this thing of physical hunger and spiritual hunger are interrelated. Uh, you know, if I was to ask you right now, physically, how hungry are you? you'd probably be able to tell me. Now, it's not helpful that we're sitting in KCK, and I know some of the best street tacos on planet Earth are across the street. Just my attention going to it, I start to salivate. I will be there actually after this gathering, getting street tacos. Asada is my preference. But if I was to ask you how hungry are you right now, you'd say, oh, I'm good, or uh, I'm always, if you're Dave Blackwell, I'm always ready to eat something. Or, I am so hungry, I missed lunch, I'm, I'm hungry. But if you continue not to eat for many, many days, if you've ever been in a place, I know, I remember working with some of our neighborhood kids every Friday night in our neighborhood night. I remember one particular kid, he was six or seven, that kid pounded about five or six hot dogs in a night, and I realized, oh, he doesn't eat. When you go to places in the world, I just read an email from Mary May, uh, people in Malawi dying right now of starvation. You realize there's levels of hunger. You know, oh, I'm good. I could eat. There, and we've trained ourselves to know kind of, uh, this is about how I'm doing with physical hunger. 
Physical hunger was designed by God. I've taught about this before, but I've often pondered, like, why did you do this thing of hunger? I mean, uh, you could have you done anything. Uh, you could have had us just put our hands on the ground and recharge, you know? What is this thing that our whole lives are obsessed over food? We have to go and find it. I mean, thankfully, we have grocery stores. But you think about most of human history where they had to go and get their food or grow their food. I mean, how much energy is consumed around this thing of hunger and feeding yourself? God, why did you do it? Why did you create us with this thing called hunger? And I believe it's because we were created to live by something outside of us coming into us, becoming a part of us. So every time we eat, we don't just say our prayer, thank you, God, for the food, you know. We're actually living the gospel every time we eat because we're confirming again that we will not live unless something that is other than us comes into us. So every time we hunger, that hunger is supposed to proclaim the gospel to you. Most of us have grown up and probably never wanted for a meal in our life. And so it, it's hard to even understand fully the gift of hunger. The gift of hunger that tells us we have to go find something to give us life. And so this thing of physical hunger was designed by God to show us our truest and deepest and most real hunger which is that we were created for God himself to give us life. This is the design of hunger. We're going into a 40-day fast. We've said this before. It's difficult to, to fast for the glory of God unless you eat for the glory of God. And so having a healthy uh, connection with food and an understanding of why God designed us to eat makes a huge difference in learning the beauty and purpose of deciding not to eat, which is a gift from God, and intentionally choosing hunger in a society where we never hunger for anything. So what we do is we train ourselves, we remind ourselves what is our life what we depend on. And so this thing of hunger for God, that God created humans to hunger. In Deuteronomy uh, 8.3, as they're wandering around a wilderness, sound familiar? It says, he humbled you, that being God to the Israelites, he humbled you, causing you to hunger. And then he fed you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. There's the connection between humility and hunger. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, so he could feed you, so he could teach you. You don't live on bread alone. You live on God. The humble person is a hungry person. Humility looks like desperation for God. Lack of humility looks like I'm good on my own. 
I can take a little God here and a little God there, but humility looks like I finally wake up to the reality without God, I am totally bankrupt. I am totally dead. And so the humble person is the hungry person. And there's a connection in the design of God between the physical hunger and the spiritual hunger. And something that God made to show us and teach us. Here's a definition. A simple definition of hunger would just be longing for Jesus. And everyone say, longing for Jesus. Let's say it again. Longing for Jesus. That's a simple definition of hunger. But here's a, a little bit more robust definition. Cooperating with the soul's innate longing for God and the Holy Spirit's invitation to seek and prioritize his presence. Cooperating with the soul's innate longing for God and the Holy Spirit's invitation to seek and prioritize his presence. Cooperating is a great word because you are made in the image of God. Your very design is of God and for God and from God and cannot be satisfied apart from God. So when we cooperate with what is most true about us, it looks like hunger. It is the acknowledgement that we were made to be satisfied by his love alone. That we were created for him and by him. And this is true about us. If I was to ask you right now, are you hungry for God? What would, what would come up in your heart? Now, guilt's always waiting at the door, so we kick that out. Because you're always going to go, well, I could be more hungry. <laughs> I could do better. Forget that. But we're good at measuring our physical hunger, but do we, are we in touch with our real and deep and truest hunger for God? Are you hungry for God? Sometimes hard to explain, sometimes very difficult to measure. But there's a, there's a cooperating with what's innate in our soul to take enough time to realize, oh my goodness, there is a hunger there. Why? Because God made me and he put it there. It's already there. In fact, it's not just there in you who's been regenerated and born again by Jesus. It's in every person driving down the street right now as I watch them go by. What is true about the made of the image of God is that they hunger for God, whether they know it or not. Also, not just is our soul have an innate hunger for God, but the Holy Spirit has been hanging out with the Father and the Son eternally and is going, oh my goodness, you got to get more of this guy. <laughs> you have no idea who this is that loves you. Come on, come closer, come deeper, come in. The Spirit of God right now as you sit here is inside of you magnetizing you into the mystery of the eternal. Is wooing your soul deeper going, come on, wake up, come deeper. God has things to show you about himself that will fascinate you forever. 
What we know of God is a fraction of God. So Spirit of God, unlock, unveil your closest friend to us. We would come to the table and graze, and he goes, no, come to the feast like a lovesick bride. Come to the feast. There's something true about you, and it's that you're hungry for God. It's true. What does hunger sound like? What does it sound like? Oh, man, I would have loved for you to hear 80,000 in Murumbi Stadium. Do you know of those 150,000, the average age was 24? The latest Barna study, I think, says 70% of those in that age range are walking away from their faith in the Western world, yet 160,000 are gathered and 100,000 can't get in. The average age is 24. Can I tell you, God's alive and well in the world, friends. (laughs) It was the revivals from the West that awoke the rest of the world in Africa and India and Korea a hundred years ago, but I think it's reversing. The global South is saying, wake up. God is alive and he's moving. It's going to take someone somewhere in the Western world that says we will not be satisfied with anything less than God himself. Arise and awake, church. Nava, this is us. This is our hour. What does hunger sound like? The psalmist says this in Psalm 42, verse 2. Listen to this. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? That's what hunger sounds like. I don't know when's the last time where these words kind of came up in your heart, when can I get back to be with God? Now, of course, God is with you everywhere, but, but this is the intimate cry of someone who is lovesick. The psalmist says, oh my gosh, when can I go meet with God? It's like when I first started falling for this beautiful, gorgeous South African girl. I remember going to the back of the coffee shop. I would have people in line just so I could sneak text messages over to South Africa. And then I would go back, do my job, sneak back. When can I go and love Julie? I'm still taken by this woman. But I was not doing my job well because I was so preoccupied with her eyes, with her smile, with her, with every comment she would make to me. The the psalmist says, when can I go meet with God? Now, if that's not coming up in you regularly, grace, grace, the Spirit's ready to carry you there. Just remember the one in you, that hunger's there right now, family. It's there right now. Hunger sounds like, when can I go meet with God? 
Do you think that can be possible of my life and your life again, that those words can come coursing up through us? When can I go be alone with God? The psalmist in Psalm 63 says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. The sound of hunger sounds like this. My whole being longs for you. Man. God, right now, awaken hunger as I'm speaking. Tap that place that is most true about us and awaken hunger. I love what it says in Song of Solomon. If you see my beloved, tell him I'm lovesick. <laughs> That's what hunger sounds like. Tell him, like, my brain's going crazy because that's all I can think about is hanging out with this God. I want to be with God again. Tell him I'm lovesick. That's what hunger sounds like. What does hunger look like? Just a couple of fun stories. Exodus 33. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Can you think of anything better than that? Face to face with God. To be with God. This is the greatest privilege of being alive right now. Is to be with the living God. If your quiet time's boring, we're praying that you would become face to face with God again. Awaken lovesick hunger, Lord. Not just for the move of God, but for the very face of God we long. And from the face of God, the move of God will come. But you see, what hunger looks like is Moses was done. He's like, okay, I've had more than enough. He leaves. And Joshua lingers in the presence. Do you remember those times with God where everybody else leaves and you just stay there and the tears roll down your face because there's nothing better than you and God alone? Do you remember that? Everyone in this room has had those times. I wake it up again. It looks like lingering in love. Again, do you, do you remember falling in love if you've done that? It's just like, I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. I just want to stay here. It's like, it, this is getting bad. We better get married. I saw a few kisses just happen. It's real close enough to Valentine's Day. Go ahead. There it is. There it is. Kiss cam. It looks like lingering in the presence. I mean, Acts 1.14, Jesus tells them to wait and pray. It looks like 10 days of hunger in prayer, waiting on the power of the Spirit. Can I just be really frank with you? It's going to be a lot in the next six weeks to come every Friday and Saturday and some home Sunday. Can I just say, for six weeks, could we do it? <laughs> like, just put it in your calendar because when we're together, God can do things he can't do if only 10 of us show up. Why they waited steadfast in one accord for 10 days until fire from heaven came down and changed planet earth. 
Do you think there's about the same amount in here that gathered for that 10 days? Do you think God doesn't want to do that again? Can't do that again? Here's what I'm saying. I get it. We're limited in capacity, but it's six weeks of your life. Come every Friday. Come every other Saturday. We're teaching on spiritual awakening and prioritize unified prayer so God can pour out fire from heaven on us. We can't, I'm looking around the city and I'm going, business as usual is not going to cut it. Only a family hosting the actual fire of the living God is going to do this thing. So awaken the flame in your heart again. Do you feel anything waking up right now as I'm talking? Like, is anything burning? I feel the presence of the Lord. God is in this place. This house itself was dedicated to revival. This is a moment. It looks like Acts 1.14. It looks like Acts 20, verse 7 through 12. Paul and the team goes to Troas. It's the first day. Man, I love this. It's the first day of the week. It's Sunday. First day because it's resurrection day. And it's home church. Guys, it's not just coming together. Look at the fire that rested on the homes. Your homes are the dwelling place of God. God wants to live where you live every day. Why? He moved into the neighborhood. It's not just about meetings. It's about your everyday life. And they gathered and their capacity was getting enlarged. What does hunger look like? It looks like getting stretched from being an American Christian to being an actual Jesus follower. Paul preached on and on and on and on in the home, mind you, until dear Eutychus fell out of the third story, broke his neck on the ground, and they were like, Dude, whoa, wait, whoa, where's Eutychus? They looked down, splat, Eutychus is on the ground. This is where home church goes to a really terrible <laughs> moment. Whoops. I'm talking about what hunger looks like. They go down around dear Eutychus. Dude's dead. Bad church meeting. <laughs> Paul is like, no, man, get up. Raises him from the dead. Great moment. Goes from, it goes from, right, where we thought the Super Bowl was going to world champions. Best home church ever from worst to best. Bam, power of God. Now, this is my point. They go back upstairs and Paul finishes his sermon until dawn. Everyone was super stoked on the meeting after that resurrection moment. It looks like enlarging our capacity. That's what hunger looks like. The capacity for the word of God, for the presence of God, for the power of God, for the love of God, for the fellowship of God, for the breaking of the bread, for the devotion to prayer. It looks like turning our homes into places where God alive actually is coming to hang out. It's what hunger looks like. Enlarge capacity. It looks like Evan Roberts in 1904 Age 12, Evan went to work in a coal mine as most of the boys did. The difference was when he was 13, he started to pray continually for God to fill him with the Holy Spirit and send revival to Wales. As he worked in the mine, 13 years old, 7th grade, 
He's working in a mine, and Roberts keeps praying and singing and quoting Bible verses. In the evening at home, he would read the Bible for hours. He would pray silently, but often groan with deep, holy desire. Often, Roberts preferred to pray rather than to eat his meals. He frequently rose in the middle of the night to entreat God for revival. This went on for 13 years. A 13-year-old caught a vision that there was more to life than what he was seeing. He was desperate for the move of God in his generation. And he wanted God sometimes more than food. He wanted God sometimes more than sleep. God has been waking me up in the middle of the night, taking this awakening thing a little too literal, in my opinion. And some nights the presence of God is just on me. Sleep is a good thing. God ordained it. Please don't miss it every night. You're going to go loopy. Food is a great thing, like you need it. But I'm telling you, there's a hunger for God available, which even overrides the normal desires for entertainment and satisfaction and food and sometimes even sleep. We see it in Jesus. Whole nights of prayer because why? Not because someone said it'd be a really holy thing to do. He couldn't get enough. When can I go meet with my father? When can I go meet with my father? When can I go meet with my father? Man, I want to be hungry for God. I want to be so hungry for God. To be hungry for God is to prioritize what is most valuable and real in this universe. Yeah? It's so beautiful. And it says that October 28th, 1904, a minister named Seth Joshua closed the meeting by praying, Lord, bend us. Wow, that's an intense prayer. Lord, bend us. The Spirit spoke to 26-year-old Evan Roberts and said, that's what you need, Evan. Evan walked out praying, Lord, bend me. The next morning during the 9 a.m. service, the Holy Spirit came on him mightily. He fell on his knees, crying out, bend me, bend me, bend me. Tears streamed down his face. And after 13 years of praying, Evan was at last filled with the Holy Spirit. Only 13 years asking for that Holy Spirit to fill him. And soon later, his second prayer that a historic revival would break out, began to happen. God began to move all over Wales, orchestrating sovereignly prayer and movements of God amongst the miners. It said white streams would roll down their soot-covered faces in the mines as the presence of the Lord moved through the mines and the songs of Wales were released. It was such a depraved moment in history and society. And God began to bring purity and righteousness and movement. The reports of it would spread to Azusa Street in California and change the known world over the next hundred years. The reports would move into India and sweep through. I'll tell you another story in a little bit about that. 
The reports would go to North Korea and spark revival down to South Africa, sparking revival. One 13-year-old who wanted God a few more times than he wanted sleep and food, who caught a vision, who was lovesick, and all of a sudden the entire globe is set aflame by the prayers of a seventh grader. Hunger for God. It's a gift. I don't think you can work it up or strive it up. But do you wonder if we asked if he would do it? (laughs) Do you think God wants a church hungry for him? He just may answer that prayer. What it will mean for your life? I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. Good luck. But I think if you dared pray it, he may want to answer it. It's exciting. There's promises for the hungry. Think about dear Evan Roberts. Psalm 107.9. I mean, listen to this promise. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. What? God will satisfy the longing soul. He will fill the hungry soul with goodness. The promise of God for those who agree with the hunger inside of them, the hunger of the Spirit, is that God is going to pour out His Spirit inside of you and satisfy you. And the satisfied get hungrier. (laughs) And it loops into the mystery and treasure of God Himself. Longing begets longing, satisfaction begets satisfaction, and we find ourselves in our heart's true, eternal home, God himself. Oh, hunger for God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled The blessing of God is upon the hungry soul. This is the promise of God. Jeremiah, if you seek him, seek him with all of your heart. And when you seek him with all of your heart, what? You will what? Find him. This is the promise of God. God is not trying to play hard to get. He's trying to let our souls acknowledge what is most valuable in the universe and pursue it so he can meet it. He is wooing us. He is wooing us and drawing us into hunger. This is the promise of God. I love what Stephanie Gretzinger said. I just heard her say this in front of the hungriest crowd I've ever seen in my life. She said, one thing God doesn't own is your choice to choose him. One thing God doesn't own is your choice to choose him. He has everything, but he wants your choice to choose him. He has everything, but he wants your want to want him. He doesn't own that. That glorifies the Lord. We will be face to face and you will have no option but to long for him. But right now, He doesn't own your choice to choose him. And the greatest thing a father can give to his kids 
is his presence. That's the best thing I can give to my kids, is my presence. God is waiting to give us his presence. You guys, this is what's going down. God is done with human strategies. He's waiting to give the church of Kansas City his presence. But will the bride be lovesick for him? Oh my gosh, I want to see it in my day. How do we grow our hunger for God? There's four simple things up here. We begin to experience our lack and ask for hunger. We begin to experience and acknowledge our lack and ask for hum- hunger. I've talked about Deuteronomy 8.3. He humbled us, causing us to hunger so he could feed us, so he could teach us we only live on him. Jesus will be led, first step into his ministry, into a wilderness, 40 days he won't eat, and then he goes, and then the scripture says, and he got hungry. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. 40 days without food, I've never done it. The longest fast I've done don't pale in comparison to that, and the amount of hunger that I feel is outrageous, let alone Bear grills Jesus in a wilderness, literally surviving. If you ever thought Jesus was a wimp, walk into the Arizona desert and don't eat food for 40 days and just try to survive. Anyone else watch Running Wild with Bear Grylls? Anyone else? It's awesome. It's incredible. Jesus is tough for the Bear Grylls. That's the reality. It says after 40 days, he hungered understatement of the century. And then the enemy comes and says, go ahead, turn the stones into bread. He, he quotes Deuteronomy 8.3, must have been a significant moment in the history of God's story, because he goes, no, man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. You see, life has a way, and sometimes God behind it, of bringing us to places of hunger and humility where we run out of our own ability to do it. Ever been there? Man, the five months leading up to us being asked to leave PlexPod, I mean, I was spinning. God got me so good. He humbled me and made me hunger. God, where are you? What are you doing? He goes, yes, you're finally acknowledging what's always true about you. You need me. The humble person will be the hungry person. It looks like acknowledging our lack and then going, God, I need you to give me the gift of hunger. If you want to grow hunger, acknowledge your lack and ask him for the gift of hunger. The Father is going to meet us in that place. And sometimes we have to intentionally choose hunger, put ourselves in the place of hunger, so we can actually remember what is most true. 
Jesus was in a 40-day wilderness. We're going into a 40-day Lent fast. The reason we're doing that is so that we can remember what is most true, that we live by God and hunger for him. So as you go into Lent, I, ch- I challenge you to put yourself intentionally into the place of hunger and need so that you can meet God and remember he satisfies the longing soul. And number two, experiencing God's work in others. This looks like putting yourself around hunger. It looks like putting yourself in environments or around a person. You think of someone you know who's ravenous for God who's hungry for God, and you get around them. You put yourself in that environment. I was in Northern Ireland earlier on in uh, October, and I was with my friend Alan Emerson, and I realized that people were so hungry for God. I was in their staff meeting, and they casually mentioned nine people had given their life to the Lord that week. They do that every week. I was like, what in the world? It's a new normal. And something, what? rises in you of hunger. What my normal is, isn't the normal in Brazil right now. I take myself into Brazil, and all of a sudden, hunger. You're like, Adam, I don't have money for plane tickets to Northern Ireland and Brazil. Read revival history. I've been soaking myself in the movements of God. Reading about times when God took over entire communities with his love where he was breaking out everywhere. There's so many resources. There's people in this church right now who are hungry for God. Friday night fire, it's a time to come and be around people who are hungry for God so that it awakens in you and it's synergy. One person's hunger sparks the next, sparks the next. We get around those hungry for God. We soak ourselves in the reports of the move of God, the history of the move of God, present day and historical. This is how you awaken hunger in your life if it's not there. This beautiful story of Pandita Ramambai, she was this incredible Hindu reformer who powerfully converted to Jesus in 1891. She had a passion in meeting Jesus for all the widows and young orphans, all girls around India who were literally in a physical famine. She was bringing them in. She built a home for 2,000 of them. She called Mukti, which means salvation or deliverance. She was going around. She was uh, standing up for women's rights. One of the greatest women leaders in history. You can read about this woman, Pandita Ramambai. She heard the reports of revival in 1904 from Evan Roberts. And she began to cry out to God with hunger night and day. And then she formed prayer circles in Mukti with the girls. And they were seven of them, ten Seven of them, groups of 10, 70 prayer circles began to cry out for the Lord. Within six months, it went to over 55 prayer circles. And then June 30th, 1905, God's attention was caught with such dramatic force that the fire of God dropped on those beautiful young girls. It was so powerful that one, on one of the girls was seen the physical fire of God. 
They thought she was burning alive, so they went and got buckets of water to throw it on her just to realize it was actually the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Several of the younger ones, 12 and 13, their faces began to shine and weeping broke out and people began repenting for their sin, writhing and agony on the ground and it went on day after day after day. One missionary who had been there 16 years came and visited the Mukti uh, house for 17 days. He said these words, which are just wild. He said, after spending 17 days at Mukti observing the revival, there was hunger, real pain of hunger for a share in the visitation of God. And then regret of my ignorance after all these years of Christian life of what this travailing in prayer, this prevailing in prayer, this being lost in prayer even meant as it was seen on the faces of mere children. And then there was wonder, and then there was praiseful wonder at the marvels of grace in their lives. One historian said, those were not just emotional experiences. Some 20 years later, the flames of revival were still traveling through that land. On those young girls, they began to break up in those prayer circles and visit town after town after town with their weak lives and their hungry hearts, and they began to bring not just uh, you know, physical fire, but the flames of revival across that land. One report of a young Evan Roberts spread to all these young girls in India and beyond. That's how we catch it, hunger. We soak ourselves in it. Number three, experiencing the broken state of the world. Every day for 17 years, my daily drive is down truced the racial divide. And so many days, I am reminded again and gripped again that man's efforts will not bring the healing of our land. There's something that happens when you let your heart be exposed in a raw form to the hurt and the pain around you. And it provokes a desperation for God and his movement that we cannot just have business as usual. That every believer is going to have to catch fire in the presence of God. How will they when they become a hungry living sacrifice? We've got to expose our hearts to the foster care situation in Kansas City. Expose our hearts to the physical hunger in our inner city of kids going to bed, not eating. To the devastation of the disparity of wealth in our city. For the lack of opportunity. For the pain in our political polarization and the ridiculous nature of us giving up our birthright as the church. Something of the brokenness of our city has got to break our hearts, whether that be your coworker, your neighbor, a macro reality. Let something break your heart to hunger and thirst for God's righteousness because it will be satisfied. We ask for hunger. We acknowledge our lack. We hear the reports. We experience. We get around the, the, the burning so we can burn. And we let our hearts be broken by the things that breaks God's heart. But the greatest way 
that I know of, of, of increasing hunger is to encounter God. The actual encounter of the presence of God, if you will dare linger there and ask, Holy Spirit, fill me again. When we taste and see that he is good, our hunger grows again. Because we want more of what is the best. It's what we were made for. It is so satisfying and at the same time causes us to eternally long. Deep cries out to deep. Humility looks like hunger. And oh, that Nava would hunger for God. I want to just rehearse this last promise in Psalm 107 again. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. I want to welcome the band back up. We're going to, we're going to close. Um, there's nothing elaborate about this response. It's just, if you want hunger for God, do something physically. <laughs> Move, fall down, stand up, go to the corner, do something that expresses your hunger for God. There is no way to perform your way into the presence of the Lord. <laughs> All it is is kids coming to a dad who's madly in love with us, going, I'd love to show you more of who I am. But I want you to hunger. And if you don't have hunger, do something to move yourself closer in it. And so that's my response today. We're going to go back into that refiner song. We've got about 10 minutes. And I just want us all over this place, just face to face with God, heart to heart with God, to simply express our hunger to him. And whatever that looks like for you. I want to pray for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in Kansas City. Thank you, God, that you won't let Nava get off the hook. I just want to be comfortable. Quit it. But you're so excited about us having not just good, not just filling our appetites with a bunch of junk, but having you, the pure, healthy, living source of life, Thank you that you called us out of PlexPod. I didn't want to do that. Thank you that you, some reason we're in KCK. Thank you, God, for giving us yourself. And so, Lord, here we are as a family. And we say, Holy Spirit, give us hunger for God. We want to burn for you. Yeah, respond before the Lord however you want. I love you guys. I'm so honored to be in a church that would dare go on this journey. You are so awesome before the Lord, and I bless you for it. Let's meet with the Lord.